This is false and defamatory, the impact of defamation and weaponized social media. Trigger warning. This podcast discusses topics related to emotional abuse, gaslighting, verbal abuse, threatening language, cyberbullying, intimidation tactics, and thoughts of self-harm, which may be triggering for some listeners. The content includes descriptions of manipulative behavior, psychological distress, body shaming, online harassment, and other forms of abusive behavior and emotional trauma. Please take care of yourself and consider your mental and emotional state before listening. If you need support or someone to talk to, please seek help from a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. Thank you for listening. I had started doing some work at the warehouse for free for about three weeks. And I was just kind of hesitant to sign the paperwork. We'll just make sure that it's a good fit. And if it's not, like it's not, that's fine. No harm, no foul. I, you know, will still be a customer. I love the clothes. Let's just see. It was honestly more for me just because I did kind of have that feeling. Why do I feel this way? This seems like such a good thing. I know the money's not there, but it's right next to my house. It's a clothing you know, that I love, that I've been buying for some time, that I promote on my own social media. It's a small business. It's woman owned. It's, it's everything like that I would normally be passionate about and want to help with. Why am I so hesitant? And I remember that conversation of Carolyn. She was Miss Logical Accountant. She said, okay, well, if you get in and it is bad, you can just quit. It's not like you have to file another lawsuit. And we just laugh and laugh about that now. Obviously, I had no idea what would be coming. The first kind of red flag was before I actually signed on and seeing the treatment of the inventory control person and the husband. But again, I justified it thinking, well, she's just stressed out because she's had these horrible employees that messed everything up. And I just thought, it's fine. I just need to help her. Like, if I can just help her, she will not be stressed everything will be fine. She's also building the house, which was taking a lot of her attention. And it was hard because she couldn't focus on the things and the deadlines that she had because she was, in my observation, having to pick up the slack around the office in the warehouse and things like that. That summer, I just kind of got in and there was just junk everywhere. And at that time, we had multiple bays of this warehouse to be all one big one. And then there was one that was next door and that's where they did a lot of the photography and it was just a mess over there. And it was also a little bit discombobulated because some of the employees were over there and some were on the other side and it was just kind of a little bit weird. But I just noticed as I was walking around and looking that I could see it was just unorganized clutter, that kind of thing. And so I, along with the defendant's personal assistant at the time, we started to kind of clean stuff. And I was I was ordering around everybody. I was like, this is what we're doing. Like, let's do this and let's get all of this stuff organized so that we know where everything is. Let's get it streamlined. I made a place for guests. If they came to shop, they would actually have a place to sit and it not be, you know, where employees were having lunch. 
I turned one of the unused offices into a lunchroom so that employees could have some privacy if they didn't leave for their lunch. And through the process of organizing everything, it kind of matched what she had told me about the employees that they were taking advantage of things. She's right. Like this was nuts. Like what were these guys doing? It also looked like if the if printer wasn't printing, they just bought a new printer. The amount of printers that I found in the racks of the warehouse, it was embarrassing. Was there no checks and balances on spending? Was the office supply budget just unlimited? Like, what are we doing? And so it kind of started to make sense. Like, yeah, she really did have these horrible employees that were reckless with the spending with, you know, whatever they needed. Just the things that I was finding, it kind of matched up with what she had said. And so I believed it. Immediately, I put some new processes in place and really tried to streamline as much as I could and put all of the shipping supplies in one place and just just to be organized and efficient to where we could carry on business as normal, but in an efficient way. We knew what we had. We weren't spending unnecessary money on things and supplies and that sort of a thing. We had a new plus size model. That model lived in a different state and we would fly her in. And rather than, you know, paying for a hotel or an Airbnb while she was here, as was what I learned to be kind of customary, the defendant just had her stay at her house. And from a business perspective, yes, that does save money, but I wouldn't recommend it. And it just didn't work out for whatever reason. But as was customary with other people, particularly models that left, there was drama. And that model, I think, had made a social media post, I think using a picture of her modeling for us, but she didn't credit the company and it upset the defendant. And I think the defendant made a post about that. And so there was a little bit of social media drama and that was customary from what I had experienced and seen. So the defendant seemed to have a falling out with employees. Employees rarely left without some sort of a drama. And by the time that I was kind of in the middle of working for her, there had been several models that had exited that there had been drama about. And at one point, the defendant asked the marketing team that if we posted an old photo that had a model in it that she did not like, that we were to crop that photo to cut the model's head off so that their face would not be seen because she didn't want to look at it. Towards the end of the summer, I was still buying in that she had had some bad prior employees. So when I came there, there was a girl that was working in the marketing capacity she was someone that the previous model that the defendant was having issues with had hired. And so the defendant had expressed to me that she didn't really like this girl. She didn't really trust her. I didn't really have a bad experience with her, but the defendant was always really very leery of her. Also, when I started there, I think it was in the summer is when the defendant first told me about these hate blogs. I had no idea what she was talking about. And she would say, go me. It's not a word. And so I didn't know really what she was talking about. And so it, she made it sound like, don't even look it up. I don't even want that on your phone, whatever. Not that I really wanted to. I remember telling her, well, who cares? Who cares what people are saying? Like, it can't consume your every thought. And so this girl that she didn't really like, she would say, that she thought she might be a troll. 
And I'm like, what does that even mean? And so I started to realize quickly after she started telling me about Gomi, she didn't ever talk about Reddit at that point, but she would talk about Gomi and she would get emotional and she would cry. And she's like, they say all these horrible things. And, you know, and I was like, oh, that's, that's just really mean. Like, don't worry about that. They, they probably just don't have anything else better to do. And they just are trying to tear people down. Like I was trying to encourage her and trying to get her not to focus on it because we didn't have really models at the time that the customers were invested in and attached to. We had a couple of new ones, one that didn't last very long. So I was trying to get the defendant on social media because that was going to increase the sales. If she talked about an item or wore an outfit, people wanted it and people would buy it. And so she would explain to me, well, my old employees told me, not to post myself because it was ruining their aesthetic on Instagram. So she was consumed with whether this person was a troll and I just wanted her to get on camera and she would make all of the excuses that, you know, these horrible mean people on the internet made her so insecure. And so I was, I literally was just like, you have one job and that is to be on camera selling this stuff. I will handle literally the rest of it just if, but I am not you. I can't get on the camera and get people to buy this stuff. It's got to be you. I mean, I did my part. I posted so much all the time. So she was very convinced that this girl was a troll. Also, we had a media kit for an influencer or something. And so there was an issue where she thought that this girl might want to be an influencer herself. And it was creating a lot of drama. And so she told me that she was going to fire her. So she came to the office and it was, this became very customary. I watched her lie to employees when she would fire them and say, I have the footage. I know what you did, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to say it. And I watched her berate this girl for, I don't even know how long it was. It seemed like eternity. And I would try to like bring it back and say, I just don't think this is going to be a good fit for you. I was trying so hard to be professional and in the face of the screaming that was happening and the accusations that were being hurled. And I now looking back, I did reach out to this girl and I apologized to her and I said, I should have stopped that. That was not okay. And I'm so sorry. And you do not have to forgive me, but I just want you to know that I recognize that it was very wrong. And I'm so sorry. The girl was fired immediately. And then she also went to talk to the young girl that was kind of assisting this girl and did the same thing to her. And I will let her talk about that experience. Shortly after I started working for the defendant, I got a text from the defendant that said, there's going to be a girl there that I've hired that's going to start working with us. There wasn't really any direction as to what I should do with her if she needed any training or anything. But she showed up and I actually recognized her. I had seen her at one of the store events that I had worked at. And so she started working with us and she was in our marketing department. She worked closely with the models. She also worked closely with the girl who was the first firing that I witnessed. I think she was only 20 years old at the time. And I thought she was going to fire her, but then she ended up letting her stay. And I was just 
I couldn't believe this, but it was almost like a mom whenever you are trying to catch your kid lying and you're like, I mean, if you tell the truth, you're not going to get in trouble. So, you know, but she just kept hammering her and hammering her. This girl was sobbing in tears like Kim Kardashian ugly cry. I have stuff here. I think the way that I felt during the entire thing was um, angry because I knew I had to remain respectful. I just have such great morals. My mom raised me right. So I just, you know, kept my mouth shut. But whenever she kept on telling me like, oh, I have the recordings, I have the recordings. You have to think about it. I was 20 years old and sometimes like I would come into work hungover so I was just going with the flow. Like I was really just there to collect a paycheck and then leave. So anyways, did I say some things? Yeah. Do I remember? No. And she just kept interrogating me and it was very annoying because I couldn't leave. And looking back, I should have just quit right then and there. Do you remember what she kept accusing you and like what she kept saying that she had footage of? Just about me like talking back. Well, I remember whenever she pulled us in to have a conversation, um, I was late that day because I didn't want to wake up and go to work, but I still managed to get up. And then she was like, you and Stephanie, let's go to the other side for a conversation. So she was angry with you and interrogating you because she thought that you had been talking bad about her behind her back. And yes. she was saying, I have it on camera. Yes. Which I was talking bad behind her back. <laughs> But I forgot what I had said. <laughs> so I do not recall. I have referred to the environment as being somewhat cult-like. Yeah. If you didn't agree with what she was saying, you would, you were given the cold shoulder. And then in business where it's not super huge and the, like, you know, there was only what, five of us mm -hmm. there. Um, you definitely felt whenever you were being pushed out because you had said something wrong or you have like didn't agree with her. Did you feel like you had to walk on eggshells? Did you feel, I felt like I always had to be, I felt like I was on, like I had to yeah. be up. I couldn't have my own problems. For me, like I said earlier, it was just about collecting a paycheck. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And this was kind of like a buffer. So I would always just walk in and try to just do my job. But it was like a 40 year old throwing a tantrum mm -hmm. constantly. You and the other girl we're basically talking trash about your job. That's not a crime <laughs> at uh, all. Especially whenever it sucks. It was just repetitive work and it didn't make any difference. And she pretty much wanted us to breathe, sleep, and eat the business. Were there any days or events that you recall that were big red flags with the defendant? The way that she would talk to her husband. Okay. Just who she was, because I feel like whenever I think of a business owner, I think of someone who's very motivated, who wakes up ready to hit the ground running, as they say. Um, someone who takes meetings seriously. And as an owner of a small business, I think that your attitude towards life says a lot. And it was a very negative space for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I gained a lot of weight working there because I was so depressed because it was just so awful. It was a negative, terrible place. Tell us when you started working for the defendant. I believe you worked for her. Twice. I think it was between 2017 and 2018. It was my senior year of high school. And then I did a year at college and then realized it was never for me. I should have just stayed at home. 
So then I came back in like June. 2019 to 2020. Okay, yeah. And why did you leave? Because I was unhappy and I realized I didn't want to work for someone who I didn't respect. But I like hanging out with y'all, so that's why I stayed. I know. I think we all stayed for each, for each other. other. Yeah. <laughs> and that's so sad because we could have all just left a long, long time ago. I wouldn't say that we would have avoided this because she has a track record, but um Okay. Thank you. Anyways, it was so nice chatting with y'all. Thank you for coming to my show. <laughs> <laughs> fired this marketing girl. There was a hole there. I'm not marketing. I'm operations. I will make everything efficient and run smoothly, but I'm not that marketing is not my expertise. So I had stayed in contact with the employee that I had met when I did the store event and helped her with the clearance item. Also the same one who had given my granddaughter's father, the TV stand had stayed in contact with her. She had graduated from college and was working in corporate America, didn't really like her job, and she had worked for the defendant before. I thought that she was highly competent, and I was like, if we could get her, she could handle all of that marketing stuff. I could handle the operations, and we would just be the dream team. And so we did, and she came, and we started working very closely she was very good friends with the defendant or became very good friends with the defendant and would spend a lot of time with her. And so she would kind of get direction from the defendant and then let me know what needed to be executed. And so we developed a very good working relationship. And we, I mean, if I do say so myself, we had it running very smoothly. Actually, I don't have to say so myself. There was a lot of commentary in the private Facebook group and otherwise about how noticeable the changes were since I got there. And then also since this other employee came back, because everything was running smoothly, efficiently, the customer service, you know, people were getting answered, things were shipping out on time. It just seemed very organized and efficient. And that was my goal. In the summer of 2019, I believe it was late summer, the defendant went to Africa with one of our customers of the business and they were big game hunting and the defendant like she did with everything else pretty much in her life she posted about it and i can't recall how but we started catching wind that there had been some instagram accounts made with the defendant's pictures with big game hunting and that kind of thing and they were they were not good and one of them even had a mugshot of her dad as the profile picture we were feverishly trying to get a hold of her to let her know what was going on i was trying to do damage control we were starting to get questions from customers and brand reps. And so I actually sent a message that just said, hey, we are aware of this. We are, you know, trying to get a hold of the defendant to make sure that she is aware. Please do not text her about this. Please do not do anything to cause her anxiety. Please do not, you know, make posts about this. We don't want to draw any more attention to it than there already is. I was basically trying to do PR damage control. And I even sent a really nice, what I would consider inspiring message to a bunch of people that just was basically saying that, say, hey, like, let's just don't draw any more attention to it than it already has. It was scary. We didn't know what to do. We couldn't make it stop. 
and we finally did reach her. She had already actually commented back to those accounts and she kind of made it sound like it wasn't really that big of a deal. And so it kind of fizzled out and that was that was kind of that. At some point, the defendant texted me and her husband in a group text that we had as they were both owners of the company and I would correspond with both of them. Um, But she texted both of us and said something to the effect of, I snapped on a troll and it felt really good. And probably the message above it was something that I was trying to get about work and which was the norm. But she, you know, was passionate in that moment. And so, you know, she continued to tell that story. She sent screenshots of what she had said, but she had found this person who had been following these Africa accounts or one of the Africa accounts or something like that, that were made when she was in Africa that were not favorable to her. And she, this person had followed those accounts with their true Instagram. And so she had gone to their Instagram, gotten their name, did some internet research on this person found out their profession, found out where they worked. She created an Instagram account with that person's phone number and the username, I'm a teacher and a troll, and used that person's profile picture and started using that account to comment negative things on that person's real Instagram. She would comment on the has the picture with that person and maybe the husband, the fiance, the boyfriend. And she would say, does he know what you're really like? Let's sit him down. We can tell him I'll show him, you know, what you've been doing, just sort of threatening to just expose her or something. The woman was a teacher and the defendant had gone and screenshotted the ISD that she'd worked for their bullying policy. And she said that she emailed that woman's principal and told them that she was a troll. I don't know what else she said, but she just said that she emailed their boss. I have all of the screenshots of this. They were turned over in discovery. She just went to really far extreme because this person followed this one of these accounts. And I remember one of the posts that the defendant commented on with this fake harassing, what I would consider harassing account, the person had posted about, um, I think that was like back to school, they were getting ready for school or something and had posted maybe something about their room or I'm not really sure what it was. And the defendant commented and said, room number XXX and knew that teacher's room number at her school and commented and said, room number XXX is nowhere a child should be, basically because you're her teacher. And I <laughs> I was like, um, okay, wow, you know, and I once again, that was probably a red flag that I should have noticed. But at this time, I didn't, I hadn't done any investigation into these troll blogs for myself. I didn't know they existed and I was only going off of what she told me. And in my mind, these internet trolls were horrible spawn of Satan people that were just cyberbullying this woman who I had grown to support and, you know, work for. I believed in what I thought was her kind of mission. And so at that point, I was like, well, I mean, my daughter would always say, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Like if you're going to, you know, 
truly be a troll and she's trolling you back, I mean, it's a little, took it a little far. But I wish that I knew why I stayed for so many of these events, but that will just be a mystery. Shortly after working for the defendant, I think it's when the other employee that I was really close with came to work with us. Some conversation was brought up about tracking each other. And at this time, I mean, I had had iPhones, but I didn't ever really use the find my friends portion of that. I used find my iPhone if it was lost. So at one point I was like, what, what is this tracking thing? And she and the other employee were like, oh, it's, you know, it's find my friends, whatever. That way we can see each other's location. And I wouldn't say that I was coerced, but because of the defendant's just excessive paranoia, I felt like I needed to put her at ease at all times. And I was very transparent and very open. So I was like, okay, sure. You can track my location. I I don't, I'm not, I don't have anything nefarious. Like, you know, whatever, that's fine. And then she never shared her location with me. I did have the location of the other employee, but I I didn't have ever the defendant's location, but she definitely had mine, which looking back now is horrifying. And I question a lot of the things that I, the decisions that I made, but I mostly really just wanted to put her at ease. And I would say, this is who I am. I have nothing to hide. I am this boring. I really am. I became a grandmother at 38 years old. My husband and I are both huge nerds. <laughs> we, we're just sort of boring. And this is just kind of who we are. And so because she was just paranoid about everything all of the time. Then it was time for holiday markets, which I never wanted to do again. I just, they're so grueling. But I was like, you know what? This is what it is. I'm in this job. This is what's required. It's not like I don't know what to expect. It just kind of isn't ideal, but this is what we're doing. And so we booked a lot of shows and we didn't just do local shows. We also booked shows in another state where the defendant had some family and friends. And so there was a lot of coordinating of who was going to work at what show to make sure that we had enough people. The difference between the trade shows that I did the holiday markets with the defendant and from my own company were the booth size and the volume of product. So with my previous company, we might get a 10 by 10 booth or maybe a 10 by 20, but that was kind of it. We had gift items that were small. And so we didn't really need that much space. With the defendant's business, she had clothing. And I noticed before in doing those shows that the clothing booths were huge. They were popular and crowded. And so our booths were much larger. And so it required a lot more people to work. And so I coordinated that. And the defendant would say, oh, maybe this person or that person, you can contact them to come and work this show or that show. And so I did the majority of the coordinating. I would message people and ask them to work. And I was in charge of a lot of that coordinating not just the people, but also the products that we were going to be taking. And anyone who was local, who maybe had children or a family, they were scheduled for the local shows. And then a lot of employees were scheduled for the out-of-town shows. When we went out of town, that is when some more red flags came. And 
it was kind of wild. And I did justify because when you do trade shows, you're so exhausted. You don't get to eat on time. You don't get, you don't sleep, um, that kind of thing. And so I had brought a friend to at least one of them, but some of them, it was just employees. And then some friends from the area would come, but the defendant on one occasion, it was her birthday actually. And we had been setting up at the show, which was exhausting. And for some reason, I was talking to one of the other employees. We were strategizing about where to put something. And the defendant came over and accused us of talking about her behind her back or something. She was just mad. She was like, zip it and get to work. And we were like, we, we are like, that's what we're doing. As I'm pouring in sweat and exhausted and we were working and I did not understand why she was so upset, but she was. And then she left and we had to ride with someone else and then she wouldn't talk to us. And then she was screaming. I tried to go talk to her and try to get her to calm down. I didn't even understand why she was mad, but she was livid with me and with this other employee. And I just didn't know why. And neither did the other employee. And so I tried to just approach her rationally and be like, hey, if there's something going on, let's talk about it. Did I do something? And she screamed at me and threw me out of her room. And later that night, she was going to have a big sale for her website and it was going to be a huge percent off. And so we went up there because she wanted us to all be on the live video and she still wasn't speaking to us. So she started the live video, started talking and the sale was doing really, really well. And by the end of the live video, it, it went so well that she didn't remember why she was mad and everything was fine. And so we just kind of brushed over it. But that was really traumatizing. And I had a friend with me on, on that one that I had brought. And I was very embarrassed because I had gotten her to start buying the clothes as well. But also just to have somebody treating me that way. I'm an adult <laughs> woman. I had a, a, you know, 17 year career by this point. And to have somebody talking to me like that, that I justified, okay, she's just tired. She's nervous. Is the market going to go well? Are we going to sell? We're going to hit our goal. I just justified it. And how many red flags did I do that to? So that show was over and we had another show that was out of town um, in South Texas. And that one went really, really well. It was going really, really well. And it was always a joke how much I was working and they would make fun of me. They would also call me a grandma because I wouldn't stay up late and, you know, get no sleep and all this kind of stuff. Literally, they would send me the grandma emoji and it was fine. Like I didn't care. So that's fine. I'm the grandma. Um, I'll keep everybody in line on track, whatever. And she would always complain that I wouldn't relax. She's like, just relax and stop working. It's just so much. And this particular show, my husband sent me a care package. He used something and he also arranged it with the defendant and this other employee to have this sweet basket delivered that had my favorite snacks. And then it had two bottles of wine, my favorite wine, which is really cheap, $8.99 barefoot wine. It's not even fancy. And so he had given me that. And so she was in her moment of harping on me. We were all in her room after the show, after the holiday market that evening, and everybody's just kind of talking and 
She's like, put your computer up. You just need to relax, blah, 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 blah. And so I did go ahead and pour a glass of wine. She always talked about how she didn't drink and how she thought it was horrible. And so I didn't ever, I guess, have a glass of wine or relax around her because I knew kind of how she felt about it. And I didn't need a glass of wine. Like it was, <laughs> I didn't, it was fine. I didn't need that. Um, but she was so insistent that I relax. And so I poured myself a glass of wine. I drank it. We had gotten, I don't remember if it was mine or whose it was. It's one of those eye massagers that you just put on and um, it like has air bubbles or whatever and like massages your temples and your eyes. It's very relaxing. And so I had that. So I'm obeying orders. I am relaxing. So I had one glass of wine and then we were still in there talking. And so I had poured another. I don't even think I had drank at all. And then she started thinking about some additional products that she wanted to have shipped in. If you know me, the second we start talking about work, I need a spreadsheet. So I went and got my computer and I was trying to pull up our system to see what kind of inventory we had. And I was trying to make a plan and she got upset with me, accused me of being drunk and threw me out of the room in front of everyone. And I was mortified (laughs) because I'm the responsible one. I am the one who is always working. I'm the one who's the grandma, right? And she humiliated me in front of everyone. And I couldn't believe it. I was very upset. (laughs) And I didn't really talk to her the next day. And then she kind of just makes it like it was like a joke. And at that show, there was another person who came and volunteered who didn't feel well and couldn't come to one of the days. And she was ousted. I think that is when she even stopped participating in the private Facebook group and no one ever heard from her again. But I felt horrible because everybody led by the defendant was talking bad about her. It was awful. And so after that market and after the one that I had experienced prior when she threw me out, I was not feeling that great. And so we did, I don't remember what other shows were after that, but Ultimately, you know, Christmas comes, Black Friday, it went really, really well. At that point, we had so many orders that we were never going to get them shipped out. And so I kind of just threw myself into that. I was running night shifts and the night shift people were not employees. And so I didn't feel comfortable having people there without an employee. Well, (laughs) I was on salary. And so I knew that we wouldn't have to pay overtime if I stayed and owning a business and budgeting for things like that is my nature. So I was just like, well, I live right here. I can just stay. I can do my work during the day. Then I can stay at night, let people come and ship out the orders. I was picking and pulling the orders and shipping them out um, because we have to get these out. And so I threw myself into work and I didn't really process, I guess, what had happened and the red flags. And she was happy because sales were great and the shows were successful. And so I just kind of ignored it again. And I just remember working night shifts with some of the people who have participated in and enabled the defendant's ongoing public defamation of me for over two years. And I just remember thinking when this all started, you were with me. Until like three in the morning, you watched me across from you at the shipping table. You saw my hands. So at what point do you think that I logged in 
1100 different usernames and started commenting about the defendant. I was working with you all night and it was just, it's so mind boggling to me, the power of one person to just say things with no proof whatsoever. It was insane, but I worked, I don't even know. I mean, it was up until I guess the week before Christmas, whenever the, the deadline was, um, and we got all of the orders out and it was a lot of orders and I was so exhausted. And so once Christmas hit, you know, we had an after Christmas sale. We did have to do some night shifts then as well, but it wasn't as bad as the Black Friday. And so it just kind of was business as usual. So the next big red flag that I remember, one of the biggest selling items that the defendant ever had was her denim jeans. That's what made me fall in love with the company and the clothes. And I loved them. And we had sold so many that we really didn't have a lot, definitely of the styles that were the most popular. We didn't have a lot of inventory and customers were begging for jeans. This time she used a different supplier. And I expressed my concerns about the sizing because I am telling you, I was a die hard in love with the jeans, in love with them. And at the time I had lost weight from my weight loss surgery and I was a size 12 in her denim, not probably in everywhere else denim, but I was in her denim. And that was whenever I would post my outfits, if I was wearing the jeans, that's the size that I gave everyone. People who followed my sizing wore that size. Um, My body shape is different than other people that wore the size 12. I mean, I've said before, my backside is flat and wide. I carry weight in my belly. So when we got the samples of this new supplier, I expressed my concern. I was like, I can't wear the same size and this is, you know, going to be a problem. But we did need to launch new denim. I understood the urgency. I was concerned, though, because of the drastic difference in the fit. Now, when we did release it, I put all of that aside and I just made a very simple post like I normally would when we had a new item. We released one or two styles at a time. I made the product sheet about the denim with like, facts about it so that people could understand like, well, this is the, you know, the rise of the gene and this is the inseam and those kinds of things. I was all in. It's not that I didn't support the genes. I just had expressed my concern about the fit. And so when I made the post, I said, you know, I am a 12 in classic denim, the classic branded denim that she had. However, in this style, I am a 16. And, or maybe I said I had to size up. I can't, I can't remember, but it was a very simple, like I wear this in this denim and in this denim, I'm a 16. And I realized that people, you know, might be upset. I had actually expressed that concern. Then I can't recall exactly how the events transpired, but all of a sudden I remember the defendant screenshotted my post and created a new post in that group, which by the way, that private Facebook group had 30 to 40,000 members in it. So even though it was a private group, it was large. So she screenshotted what I said and proceeded to write this long post 
that honestly felt like fat shaming. And she knew that. And she said, I I don't want to make this post and said, I was giving everyone wrong information and that I wasn't even really a size 12, that I was probably specced to be more like a 16 and started talking about my body and where I held my weight, which I had done just to help people with sizing. But she was doing it in such a way that was basically like, she's in a 12, but she really shouldn't be in a 12 because she is too fat. And I was humiliated mostly because I was truly trying to help people. I had built a reputation, not just in my life, but also in this community where people respected my opinion. They respected the efficiency that I had brought and streamlining of everything. And my boss, instead of, she never contacted me before she posted that ever. Instead of contacting me and saying, hey, there are people upset in the comments of your post and are freaking out about the sizing. Can you clarify or can you, you know, do something, whatever. She just made this post and embarrassed me and basically said that I was out of line. And I wrote a letter of resignation and had it ready to go the next day. I emailed, texted, I can't recall what it was, but I somehow communicated to her and said, Hey, I need to talk to you. When can we meet? And instead of responding to me, she FaceTimed another employee or she was in the office with me. And at first she was knew I was in the room. And so they were talking about something else. And I don't remember if I left to use the restroom or something, but at some point she communicated somehow with that employee, like what's going on? Is she quitting? And so I ended up with the other employee's phone, FaceTiming the defendant. And I can't even tell you what happened in that conversation. And this is very embarrassing for me. But by the end of it, I was apologizing to her. Not only was I not resigning, I was taking responsibility for this and apologizing for any drama that I had caused and stress that I had caused on her. And I should have quit. I should have quit. I don't know why. I I really don't. I consider myself highly competent and experienced. Like, who does that? And so I ended up staying. And at that time, her home was finished. And she asked me to start taking on some bookkeeping duties which I was very excited about actually, because I had been used to working with Carolyn for so many years and we did cash flow together and we did all of this analysis and planning and budgeting and all that together. And so I was excited to use those skills that I had to help her. And so it, it did hurt me, the denim post. And I do think that I never felt the same after that, but again, just put your head down and work. and. I did the very best that I could. I told the defendant and her husband, you know, I will do everything ethically possible to help you and get all of this cleaned up. And I remember that there were some transactions that were just not classified properly. And I don't know if it was just an error on the CPA's fault or what, but there was some cleanup. It was much like the warehouse. There was some disorganization. And some things that just needed to be cleaned up. And so I worked very hard at that. I made her cash projections. I had tried to give her reports in so many different ways. 
that would help her feel connected with the business because the other employee and I were handling so much. Sometimes she would complain that she felt like she really didn't know what was going on with her business. And so at one point I said, I'm going to make you a binder. (laughs) (laughs) And I did. (laughs) I actually bought her a binder with my own money. I wanted it to be pretty because she really liked pretty things. So it was white marble. I bought fancy dividers. I bought these pretty things also to hopefully she would want to use the binder. So I made her this binder and I put all kinds of reports in it that would help her run the business more efficiently with all of the information that she needed regarding products and anything that you would need to effectively run your business. I made a report and I put it in her binder. And every week I would do a binder reset and I would put the new information for whatever items were going live that week for her. At some point, I realized that that wasn't working. And so I said, well, that's okay. I can adapt and I will try to communicate with you in a different way that's better for you. And so I would take screenshots of these reports and I would send them to her so that she would have them readily available and not have to locate the binder. That also didn't work. I don't remember the other adaptations that I made, but I tried. I mean, I gave it a good old college try. At this time also is when COVID hit. So at this point, we are in March of 2020 and COVID is hitting and nobody knows what's going on. Like, what are we doing? What is happening? This is saying two weeks you know, what's going on. So we changed some processes to make sure that people were safe at work. I worked really close to the warehouse. And so I continued to go in because it was by my house. And at that time, people obviously weren't buying clothes to go out. And so we modified and actually it wasn't that bad. We had some loungewear and, you know, pajama type stuff and everybody was staying home. And so we kind of pivoted and went that direction. And so that was an interesting time, but we made it work. And it was actually a really good time that April and May of that year, I think were very successful in maybe we had finally gotten through all of the drama and all of the issues that we had had. We seemed to get in a groove. Everything was going well. And then that summer, there were some other products that she got into some trending products and started creating um, some unique designs. And we would go to her home for the live sales. The lighting in there was great. She wanted to have as many live videos and sales in there as she could. And so we would go there and get all of the items ready and do sales. On one occasion, I was there and my children had also been there. My boys were, one was older than her son and one was younger. And so she often wanted my boys to come over. I had let my boys stay the night and they had actually stayed two nights by this point. And they were having a great time. They were playing video games. They were swimming in the pool. The defendant had attachment to my youngest son and She was very fixated on him. And I mean, he liked her too. It wasn't just, you know, one-sided, but he's a child. So he just knows that this lady is being nice to him and giving him expensive gifts and doing all of these things for him. Of course, he's going to like that. He's a kid. And so when they asked to stay the second night, 
I was like, I mean, I guess that's fine, whatever. So part of me going over there that evening was to do the live sale and also to retrieve my children who had been there. And I, you know, my mom instilled in me, you just don't overstay your welcome. And so I wanted to get the boys for multiple reasons. And so when I got there, my boys were fighting with each other. So I had to kind of go up and deal with them. And I was embarrassed because my children were in my boss's house and they were fighting and I needed to be working and instead I'm having to deal with them. So I'm thinking about all of this stuff in my head. And then when I was kind of done dealing with them, I went back to finish getting everything ready and the vibe was just kind of off. And the other employee that was there wasn't really talking. And we were like, I was trying to get everything in the computer and she was working on stuff. And so we finally get everything ready. And the defendant tells me, y'all don't have the right attitude. Just get out. I'm going to do it myself. I'll do it by myself. Well, running a live video by yourself can be disorganized and can be challenging because there's a lot of things. Like whenever you're selling an item, you have to click on that item. So it shows on the screen. And people can buy it. And so it's much easier to run it with someone else doing the behind the scenes, which is what I would do. And then having someone on camera, but she was not having it. She said, we did not have the right attitude. She wanted us out of her presence and threw us out. I was humiliated because my kids were there. So the other employee left kind of right away. She didn't have children to gather up. And I went upstairs to get my boys, get their stuff. And I could hear her screaming that, she was not going to share her money with employees that were not grateful and that didn't have the right attitude or she was screaming. And all I could think was, I've got to get my boys out of here. I, my younger one did really like the defendant and I didn't want him to see her like that. I was just like, we have to get out. We have to get out. And I don't know if she forgot that I was in the house because it was a large house and I was upstairs trying to get my boys. She was screaming. And so I just remember rushing and getting the boys and their stuff and like trying to get them outside. And as I was leaving, I was trying to diffuse the situation and deescalate her. And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. I, I wasn't trying to have the, a wrong attitude or a bad attitude. I was honestly upset with my boys because they were fighting and it took away from, you know, us getting things done. And I'm really sorry about that. It didn't have anything to do with you. And I was, I was trying to soften the situation. And I even said, you know, if you want me to help you, I mean, I don't mind staying. And she was not having it. Nope. She threw me out of her house. Obviously, this was another really big red flag. Around this time when we were in the middle of COVID and there was a lot of controversy, the defendant would start making political posts that were extremely polarizing. And I was concerned about this because as a business owner, you can't do that publicly. You can feel however you want to feel and have your feelings privately, but you run the risk of alienating half of your audience if you share your political views publicly. It's just a fact. And I started to see that happening with our follower counts. They were dropping. And I would go to her and say, hey, let's not, <laughs> let's not post about this. This is a problem. And she denied and said, everybody thanks me for helping to educate on what's actually happening. And so I started giving her data to kind of let her draw her own conclusions 
but that supported the advice that I was giving her. And so that kind of caused a little bit of tension, I think. Throughout my employment there, after she told me about these hate blogs, every single day there was mention of them. Every single day. I didn't read them. I didn't know what was happening. She asked another employee to read them and let her know what was being said. And so she did. That was kind of one of her unofficial job duties. I didn't. And so the only thing that I would ever hear about the troll blogs, as she called them, would be whatever I was told about from what the employee had said. It was really funny one time because this other employee that worked with us, he was a challenge for me. (laughs) My, again, love language is efficiency, productivity, and he just moved a little slow. And so he was a little bit difficult for me. But this one time I asked him to get the small printer ready so that when guests came to shop, they could take their picture there and then we could put it on a wall. That's one of the things that the defendant thought would be fun to showcase a wall. And so I asked him to get that ready for me. And to prove to me that he had done that, he took his own selfie in the mirror and he brought it to me and it was like, hey, Crystal, I have this ready, you know, and it was really funny. And then he even autographed the back of it and put it in a frame. And so I put it on my desk. And one of the most hilarious moments that we had whenever we were talking about these troll blogs is that the one employee would say, oh my gosh, they think that I'm dating him. They think that's my desk and that I am dating him, that I love him and that I have a picture of him by my desk. And we were laughing because it was my desk and it was a joke. (laughs) And so we would talk about that, but she would constantly accuse people of being a troll all the time. Any event that we had, she would say, don't invite this person, they're a troll or whatever. It was just constant. It was a constant obsession that she had. She would say, no, I can't say that because the trolls are going to make fun of me. And everything was about the trolls all the time. And it annoyed me, if I'm being honest. Again, I'm just over here trying to get work done. All of this extra stuff does not matter to me. I'm here to run a business. I don't care about this drama. In the summer, I can't recall when, one day the defendant came flying into the warehouse and it was after hours. I was obviously still there working because I just did that a lot. And she came in, she was angry. I can't remember about what, but she was really angry. I was trying to defuse the situation and deescalate her. And I was there for a couple of hours trying to do this. And then I finally went home. And when I came in the next day, there was a new camera installed, pointed directly at me above my head. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, I mean, that's fine. I have no problem being, you know, filmed. But the way that she came in and was angry, I was like, I don't understand. Like, I have done nothing but try to help you. So I felt. I don't really know how to describe how I felt. It felt vindictive. It felt like I was in trouble for something when I hadn't even done anything except try to help her. It was kind of frustrating, but also there were there were cameras other, everywhere else in the warehouse, so it's not unnatural. It's actually 
wise to have cameras in your business. It not only protects you as a business owner, but it also protects your employees because they can't ever be accused of stealing or doing anything like that. And so it's not that I minded that there were going to be extra cameras. It's just the fact that she was so angry and I don't know what she was trying to prove with that. And so it wasn't like, oh, hey, we're going to, you know, install some extra cameras. It just could have been presented a lot better. And I just really didn't feel like that warranted such a dramatic display of anger. It was coming up to be 4th of July holiday. And that year, it fell on, I think, a Saturday. Some of the employees, I think a couple weeks early, were saying, what's going to be the deal for 4th of July? Because it falls on a Saturday, but that's one of our holidays. I realized we were a retail business, not a store. So we didn't have a store that had retail hours. We were a warehouse. We were a Monday through Friday business. And so when you offer employees certain amount of days off, like you have to give those. (laughs) And so just because it fell on a Saturday didn't mean in my experience um, that they wouldn't still get a day off. We, that's something that was in the handbook that, you know, I mean, that's a pretty customary day off to have Independence Day. And so when they asked me, I said, oh, we'll have the Friday off before because it falls on a Saturday. And if it were to fall on a Sunday, then we would have the Monday off because that's when the United States observes those holidays for business purposes. And I did not think anything about it. I didn't clear it with the defendant. I didn't even say anything to her. This employee had asked me and then some of the other employees were asking me and I gave them all the same answer. And I realized if you work at a retail establishment that's open seven days a week and all that kind of stuff, that's a different story. But that wasn't the business that we had, nor did that match the handbook that we had. And it is my understanding with human resource law, if you say to a person, you have six paid holidays, and then you have X number of vacation, X number of sick days, you can't just take away the paid holiday if it falls on a weekend. And so it didn't even, didn't even cross my mind. One night I was at dinner and the other employee that I worked closely with was at the defendant's home still working. She worked at her house a lot and worked late a lot. And I want to say it was between seven and 8 PM. And I was having dinner with my family and my phone rings and it's the defendant. And I'm like, oh crap, like something must be going on. And I need to answer because she didn't call me a lot after hours, but I would get texts all night, but this was a phone call. And so I was concerned that something had happened. She called And she said, did you tell so-and-so that they were going to get Friday off for the 4th of July? And I said, yeah. Why? I didn't authorize that. You didn't tell me. You didn't ask that. You didn't clear it with me. She was livid with me. And I didn't back down. I said, it is in our handbook. And as a matter of law, you can't say that you're going to have this many paid holidays and then not honor that. I didn't even, I wasn't hiding it from you. It never even crossed my mind to clear it with you because that is customary. I think I even brought up that either later that year or the following year, I think Christmas and New Year's, like several holidays fell on a weekend. And I said, so if we get, and I can't remember what it was, say, say it's six paid holidays and three of them fall on a weekend. You're just, you're just going to give employees three paid holidays. 
And she was angry. And she said, well, now I'm going to have to pay employees for doing nothing. And I was livid at this point. All of these things had culminated and it was about to be enough is enough for me. You're not going to call me when I'm having dinner with my family after hours and berate me for doing something that's, (laughs) that's just commonplace. And I'm caring about the employees. These are hourly employees who don't make a lot of money. And that's their well-being and their livelihood. Like, you can't do that. I was a salaried employee. I worked on weekends all the time because when we would have sales, like you just, you have to do that kind of stuff sometimes, right? And so if we had weekend sales, it was the salaried employees who were working. I would be up at night, at midnight, changing over marketing slides or whatever it was for the sale. I was going to be working. This was for the hourly employees who were not. And as a business owner, sometimes the best way to motivate an employee that doesn't make a lot of money is to just give them paid time off. If they're making $10 an hour, and I'm not saying that's how much these people were making, I'm just using it as an example, it's going to cost you 80 bucks to give them the day off. It's not that much money. It's the implied value of showing that you value them and that you're not trying to nickel and dime them. I was appalled. I was really appalled because the defendant often gave this persona about how giving and kind she was and generous. And for her to be berating me, trying to nickel and dime employees for having Independence Day off, it was nuts. And I was really, really annoyed. And at that point, just kind of in my brain and probably to my husband and my best friend, I was like, this is whack and I am about done. Like, I I don't make enough money for this. This is crazy. Now, one thing that the defendant was very focused on is the fact that she did give me a raise, and she absolutely did. She did give me a raise. She gave me a raise during a pandemic. She sure did. Did it get me anywhere near where I was supposed to be? No. Did I ever get the bonuses that were supposed to get me in the ballpark of the value that I was bringing to the company? No, absolutely not. But I do want to acknowledge that she did give me a raise. However, I still wasn't making enough money for that. Like, that's just not, no. And so the frustration levels that I was experiencing was outweighing my compensation. It just was. All it was going to take was one more thing. Like at that point, the straw that broke the camel's back could have been a feather. I mean, I was just like, this is ridiculous. I also wasn't confident that we were ever going to get to the place where I would be able to make near what I needed to be making. I was trying so hard to help the business and get us to where we needed to be. I was giving all of my effort 155%. I mathematically know that's not possible, but I, I had poured everything into it. And I would try desperately to have finance meetings with the defendant after I had taken over the bookkeeping and I had, you know, built a lot of useful tools for her. And I tried to explain everything that I was showing her in such a way that was useful to her, that she could understand, that would help her guide the business, that would help her understand decisions that need to be made. I would try to have these meetings once a week, once every other week, as much as I could when I would have these meetings. 
she would always complain and say they were boring and I was boring and all my spreadsheets were boring. And, and I laughed it off. I'm like, I know, but it's a necessary part of running a business and I'm trying to help you. And I think it was after the 4th of July incident, she wanted me to come to her house for the finance meeting, which was fine. That was customary. It was also helpful to have those kinds of meetings in a place where there weren't really other employees because that's sensitive financial information that not everybody needs to know. And so I went to her house. It was supposed to be in the morning around 10 a.m. And she wasn't ready when I got there. Um, She was still sleeping. And when she came to the meeting, she did not have any clothes on. And she did have a blanket sort of wrapped around areas. And she sat on a couch next to me unclothed with this blanket while I tried to have a finance meeting with her and explain some concerns that I had. I was talking to her about the political post. I was trying to really talk to her about relevant business like decisions and things. And she fell asleep naked next to me on the couch. And I was like, the value of the information and the work that I'm giving you is worth, at least you should wake up and put clothes on. I mean, is that too much to ask? And I was mad again, because I can't work harder on your problem than you. And that's what was happening. I cared, in my opinion, it felt like with my experience, I cared more about keeping the business afloat than she did. I truly wanted it to succeed. I said that before. I selfishly wanted the business to succeed so that I could keep getting really cute clothes. I know that maybe not everybody thinks that they were cute clothes, but I liked them and they made me feel good. And I wanted the business to succeed. Also, by this point, my reputation of being able to successfully help a business was also on the line. I had a history of success in business, especially with my company that I owned with my prior business partner. It was wildly successful. And now I'm trying everything I can, but I'm not the owner. I can't make these decisions. And I'm trying to give her every single piece of information that you could possibly need. And she's naked and asleep next to me. It was almost the last straw. It was a couple of weeks before the last straw. I realized that any one of these could have been the last straw, but. So at this point, I was pretty much done, but I knew that quitting under any circumstances was going to be dramatic. And I didn't really know how to leave. And I had already tried to leave before and was embarrassingly manipulated (laughs) into staying and even apologizing for that. And so I wasn't really sure how to go about this. I just knew that this wasn't, I wasn't going to be there long-term. And I told my husband and I just said, I don't know when, but I'm not going to continue to do this. I just, I'm not going to. And I ultimately decided to quit on September 2nd of 2020. 
I also decided for the very first time in my life that my resignation would be effective immediately. Because of what I had experienced in March with having my resignation letter ready to go and having to need to have that conversation with her, ended up not only staying, but apologizing. I just decided the best thing to do would be to resign effective immediately, send it via email, and to just go no contact. I didn't know for certain what would be said about me, but based on my prior experiences with her and hearing the things that she said about other employees, I figured that there would be some drama. My experience of when prior employees would leave, I knew there would be drama with the former operations manager before me. The reason that she was fired was because the defendant found out that she was in a group chat with other prior employees. And she was concerned that they were talking poorly about her. So she was not only just obsessed with the trolls and what they would have to say about her, but truly anybody that might have anything negative to say to her. And she would always say, loyalty is the most important thing to me. And, you know, this person wasn't loyal and all of this. And so it really created an environment where you knew that you didn't talk bad about the defendant to anyone, even if you had a legitimate like thought or opinion about it. You just didn't talk about it. It wasn't something that you would do because loyalty was the most important. That was just kind of the environment. And so you're always walking on eggshells and making sure that every single thing that you do is only 100% passionately in support of the defendant. And it just got a little bit too much. It was, it was just ridiculous. And I remember that she brought in the recording of her firing that operations manager and wanted me to listen to all of it. And I had watched her do that with other employees that were fired. And she, I think, enjoyed that and berating them. And so when I was wanting to leave, I also was not about to give her that opportunity to talk like that to me. I had already experienced her throwing me out of places, throwing me out of her home, yelling at me for giving employees a paid holiday that was listed in our employee handbook. You're not going to talk to me like that anymore. That's not going to happen. And if I'm leaving, I'm going to leave on my terms. I was somewhat afraid of what everybody would think and all of the friends that I had developed in the community I realized that they probably wouldn't be my friends anymore, but I also realized that's okay. I have my own life. These people, while I enjoy the friendships that I made and I do value some of them, some of them more than not. And I truly did mourn loss of friendships. And I will talk about that later. But for the most part, I had my own life, my own friends, and it wasn't worth what I was going through. And so I decided it's just best if I leave and I don't have any contact. So I went into work that morning and I wanted to help. The models had a photo shoot that day and they didn't have anybody to help steam the clothes. Again, in a small business, you do everything. And so I steamed the clothes for their shoot so that they could have an efficient shoot. And after that, I, I already had my resignation letter created, signed. It was in a PDF form on my phone. But I also, because I was leaving and effective immediately, I wanted to leave some instruction. I was in charge of so much and had my hand in so many projects that I still didn't want to leave people high and dry. So I wrote an email and I sent it to the defendant and her husband upon also sending simultaneously my resignation. 
And it just included a list of every single thing that I was over and the status, what needed to happen next, some instructions so that they could fill in the gaps because I wasn't going to be there. And that was just something that I felt as a professional I needed to do. I know that's not required, but that's just me. I'm not just going to leave somebody high and dry like that. Right before I sent the emails, there was another employee there in the warehouse that I wanted to say goodbye to. And I went to her and I just said, hey, I'm leaving. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, I'm quitting and, and I'm leaving. And she said, well, when? And I said, right now, like just right now. And she was shocked. She was like, why? And I just said, you know what? It's just, I, I just am. And it's just not a good fit. I said, I really don't want to say a lot of things to you because I know that you're going to be interrogated after I'm gone because I had watched that happen. And I just, you know, I just wanted to let you know. And she cried because she said that she really appreciated me and my role with her and that she enjoyed working with me. And I just said, I don't know what's going to be said about me when I'm gone, but if it's anything like the past repeating itself, I'm sure there will be some nonsense and said about me. I would really just appreciate if you would take that information and just go in your own brain and go, does that really sound like something that Crystal would have done or said? Because I would just like for you to remember like who I really am, your experience with me. And that was kind of it. And then I went and I sent the emails and I left and I said goodbye to the other employee in the room. I got my stuff and I left. Next time on False and Defamatory. How do you explain being so excited about a business and so excited about a person and supporting them in a year and a half's time to quitting without notice and going no contact? Well, you're going to look like a big freaking idiot because you have talked about this brand for years. I think one of the reasons that I didn't leave when all of the red flags were happening is because in between those, there was love bombing. And I think when you are on that roller coaster, when you are pushed to the point where you really don't want to take anymore, and then something like that happens, you're like, well, you know, maybe I'm just being dramatic. Maybe it really wasn't that bad. Once I started figuring out that I really needed to leave, I still maintained professionalism. You're not going to like every teacher, every coach, every band director, you're not going to like them and you don't have to. However, they better not ever know that because you should respect the position that they're in. And even if you don't like them, as far as it depends on you, you be respectful. Any account that had to do with work, I signed completely out of it and deleted it off of my phone. As far as it depended on me, I truly was trying to not leave in a dramatic way. Obviously, it kind of um, took a turn. I just want to clarify and make clear. The incriminating issue with me that she was accusing me of was talking to someone through a clothes rack. <laughs> I did not realize that was a crime that warranted the FBI mm -hmm. being called. So thank you for letting me know about that. 
I moved on with my life. The first thing they did was confirm my salary and it was double what I had been making. And the last communication said, you should be hearing from HR or COO very soon if you have not already. And I was thrilled. One of the employees that I had worked with that had left prior, we had lunch after I quit and she said, why did you quit? And I said, I'm not going to work for someone who treats me like that and who treats other people like that. And she said, I know what you mean. And she actually at that lunch said, have you read Gomi? And she said, I read there and my boss reads Reddit. She even showed me a text that she had between her and her boss sharing posts from Reddit and Gomi. The fallen angel becomes a malignant devil. Honestly, I thought, oh my gosh, she's talking about the defendant. When she posted that what I know now was directed at me, that was the beginning. And now I was kind of public enemy number one a little bit. Not a little bit, a lot of bit. They knew that if somebody's out, you cannot maintain contact with them. The week of November 2nd is when things really got weird. What is going on? I'm worried about you. Are you okay? Are you even alive? Obviously, I had no idea what was going to be happening in the coming hours, but it was something that I never could have prepared myself for. The False and Defamatory podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Crystal Wrighton, with music by Harry B. Ragsdale, who also serves as my audio engineer. First and foremost, I would like to thank my guests who generously shared their time and insight with us. I would also like to thank my husband, my mom, my children, my therapist, my attorneys, and trusted friends who walked with me through this process and made this podcast possible. Being able to finally speak the truth is incredibly healing, and I appreciate you listening more than I could accurately express. If you would like to continue receiving my latest episodes and stay up to date with my content, please subscribe to the False and Defamatory podcast on your preferred podcast platform and follow False and Defamatory on social media with the handle at False and Defamatory. Links to False and Defamatory social media as well as my blog can be found in the episode notes and on falseanddefamatory.com. Listening to the False and Defamatory podcast is free on most platforms. However, if you prefer a video podcast or would like to see the documents discussed in the podcast shown on screen, you can subscribe to my Patreon, where you will enjoy these benefits as well as early access, bonus content, and ad-free listening. The defendant spread her false and defamatory claims to hundreds of thousands of followers for more than two years. My goal is to share the truth so it can reach each person who heard her lies. By sharing this podcast, you can help me achieve that goal. Your support means everything to me and helps me reach a wider audience. So please hit that subscribe button and share this podcast with those you think would benefit from it. Thank you again for sharing and for listening. All social media posts referenced in this podcast were included in the evidence in case number 096-321-678-20 in the 96th District Court of Tarrant County, Texas, where the jury unanimously ruled in my favor on August 24, 2022. 
The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the False and Defamatory podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by the guests are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the view of the False and Defamatory podcast or Crystal Wrighton. Please do not make any attempts to reach out to the defendant or her followers. Names have been redacted to protect the privacy of the defendant and her army of followers who commented on her public posts. The unanimous jury verdict has not only provided me with justice, but also allows me to share my story. The purpose of this podcast is to share the truth and to provide educational content regarding defamation and social media. If you have any questions about this or to view the documents discussed in this episode, please visit falseanddefamatory.com.